What's up, guys? Today, I'm talking with Dr. Ryan Nineseen. Ryan is an extremely successful New York City plastic surgeon and the founder of Nineseen Plastic Surgery. He is someone that I would consider a true physician entrepreneur, one that has done a great job of fine-tuning his business and building his brand. Today, we discuss the characteristics of a successful physician entrepreneur. We talk about how there's no magic bullet in building a practice. We also discuss the importance of education, mentors, and doing work you enjoy. We talk about the idea of whether entrepreneurship can be a learned skill set or not. And we explore this idea of failing forward versus perfectionism. And then we wrap up with some ideas for early career physicians that might be considering entrepreneurship themselves. I enjoy talking with Ryan today, and I'm, I'm really excited to share our conversation with you now. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Finance for Physicians, a show where we empower physicians like you to practice medicine the way you always dreamed you would. This podcast features doctors, physicians, and experts that share one main thing in common. We believe having control of our finances leads to having control of our lives. In a world where doctors' lives are often dictated by our needs to maximize income, pay back massive student loans, and buy homes, many of us give up reaching those goals. But it doesn't have to be this way. If you are ready to learn how financial wellness creates happier doctors and patients, then I'm your guy. I'm your host and financial expert, Daniel Wren. Let's get started. Ryan, what's up, man? Thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. I've been really looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm always excited to talk about business and entrepreneurship. And I know you have a lot going on in that regard. And so I'd love to get into that. But I think maybe before we, we start talking shop, I would love it if you could share a little bit more about like yourself and like where you're at and your practice and, and those sorts of things. Sure. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City. And a little bit about me. I grew up in Toronto, Canada. I am the grandchild of Holocaust survivors. And that imprinted this desire to serve and to work hard and be a meaningful contributor to society. As I grew up, sports became something that was very important to me, team sports specifically. I played football and rugby. I always had this affinity to science, chemistry, physics, organic chemistry. Those things made a lot of sense. And career choice was pretty straightforward. You know, I wanted that intense team atmosphere of sports and the certainty of science. So that led me to medicine, which led me to surgery. And then my inquisitive, curious mind led me to New York City. And 10 years ago, I started a practice. And today we're one of the biggest practices in New York City and growing quickly. Yeah, that's really cool. I love seeing physician entrepreneurs, especially. I think it's like one of the best solutions to a lot of the problems that are out there in, in healthcare and in medicine. There's a lot of problems that, that could be solved by creating your own business. And well, I didn't know literally until a few years ago that there was this entrepreneurial community, that there was this entrepreneurial spirit that undermined a lot of innovation in every field. Probably Everything. is the leader of innovation in every field is entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurship. In Canada, not that socialism had a veil over everything we did, but Besides RIM, aka BlackBerry, 
and the beer companies, like he didn't really know much about business. We didn't have the Andreessen Horowitzes. Like those weren't people we knew about in high school or in college in Canada. All these books that I read about what it's like to be an entrepreneur, how to be an entrepreneur, how to be different good parts of an entrepreneur. Those weren't things that people read. But I do, there is this unbelievable spirit in this country for innovation and entrepreneurship. And I'm caught in that wave. Yeah, it's I am completely in that world myself. And I love it. And I'm sold on it. And I think from my experience in my day job, like working with physician families, it seems like not all of them are sold on it so much. <laughs> like there's a lot of them. Now, some of them are, some of them aren't, but I think there's a lot of potential for more physicians to be entrepreneurs. Well, when I look at a business and I don't know how you think, like in broad categories, people are either like really good at making a product like engineers or whatever, or delivering a service like surgeons. People are like, or they're like really good at marketing, the razzle dazzle showman, or they're really good at operations. Not the type we do in surgery, but you know what I mean? Logistics, or they're really good at leading, like galvanizing and organizing. Physicians typically that everyone I know, maybe they have one of those four. They, well, they should have one of those four. They should be good at their <laughs> job. But the other three, like the leadership, the logistics, and the marketing, like that doesn't exist. And in their mind, they can't really figure, am I going to... You know, how do you get there? Like, how do you get those three? They don't want to hire someone because most physicians just kind of think like, oh, I'm smarter than them. Why would I hire them? But at the same time, they don't have any time to go learn those skills because they're running a hundred miles an hour trying to see enough patients to make enough money to live the life they want to live. Right. So it's a conundrum. Well, it's a paradox of paradox. And at some point, if you read the E-Myth Revisited, you just got to, you know, or if you're a fan of Paul Abdul, like take a few steps back to go forward, you know? Yeah, the E-Myth Revisited is a really good one. There's too many people that start businesses for the wrong reasons. They don't exactly realize what it means to start a business. And they really are just good at making the widgets and not running a business. And their business fails because they don't understand what all, all that's entailed in running a business. Yeah. The problem with the E-Myth, in my opinion, is that it kind of like discourages. It's not very like motivational i guess it's more I like need, i don't think it needs to be and that's why i think the right. genius book i think it's it's, it's it's very straightforward and i don't know if you listen to alex Formosi, it's like are you willing to do all these sacrifices and it's not pretty there's very little recognition but are you willing to do all these sacrifices because these are the sacrifices that are required to get a real yep. business a real business meaning like if you go away for a week like the business still runs <laughs> and right. yeah. every two seconds, like that thing works, like there's systems and processes. No, I think it's good to read as a real life, sometimes punch in the face, like reality dose of what it is to go into entrepreneurship. In, in terms of the entrepreneurship, reading and mentorship. I mean, if you are not committed to those two things, I don't think you're, you have a chance in, in, in entrepreneurship. Um, you know, I, I try to read at least a hundred books a year on everything that we like the, the personal development, the business development, mm. the, how companies fail, how companies work. Um, and then you got to have your mentors who you lean on day to day. So do you think somebody's like built for entrepreneurship? Like if I read the e-myth or if I'm like just one of those categories you're, you're breaking down, like if I'm just like the widget maker, like am I like 
not going to be an entrepreneur and never, never will be, or do you think? I think like most things you be, you become what you want to become. And it's definitely, I don't think people are designed to be entrepreneurs. I think people get sparked and there is a mimetic theory of most things, meaning like you, you are drawn towards things that excite you, shiny object syndrome, you meet entrepreneurs. If you happen to meet entrepreneurs in your mid twenties, I promise you, and you like, you hang out with them and, and you like socialize, you're going to become an entrepreneur. Yeah. If you don't, you probably won't. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever heard the quote, you're the average of your five best friends? Correct. I mean, most doctors don't mm -hmm. know any entrepreneurs, so it doesn't even cross their mind. Mm -hmm. Well, what's interesting is um, one of the most popular topics we hear physicians wanting to learn about or or get into is real estate. That's kind of like bordering on shiny object. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a legitimate, you can do really well with real estate, but I think what they get sold a lot of times, or maybe what they hear is that it's like make money in your sleep. Passive income can be that-ish, but like... I think a true real estate business, sometimes the people that you, you kind of look at, you're like, man, that guy's killing it and building wealth in real estate. They are, they have turned it into an enterprise, which is in a lot of ways, very similar to entrepreneurship and building a medical practice. Listen, and my so mentor, my kind of business at Life Mentor, he's a real estate guy and owns hundreds and hundreds of buildings nationwide. He's put in probably more, cause he's older than me, time and energy into real estate development that I've ever put into surgery. So when people say I'm going to get into real estate on the side, I'm like, well, the people I see who are doing really well in real estate, they've done like the 30 years that I've done in surgery in just that. So mm. there's no, I don't think it's easy. There's no such thing as like a passive or I haven't found the uh, get rich quick because to <laughs> me, and uh, I'm always told real estate is the best get rich slow kind of game. Mm -hmm. Well, so what I find interesting is that and in some ways it's kind of like disappointing is there's a lot of really good physicians that I have come into contact with that like loved taking care of patients and did, did it, were in it for the right reasons, but then they got into real estate and they did really well with it. And they got into real estate as a, I think the system of medicine drove them out Yeah, and they got into real estate and they like many of their past did really well in real estate and have turned that into a big enterprise. And a lot of them are like completely out of healthcare. In fact, I work with a lot of them that are like really working hard to use that real estate business to get out of healthcare. Yeah. But what's strange to me from the outsider looking in is that it's like, you can build an enterprise. You can be an entrepreneur within your specialty and For build sure. a practice. It doesn't have to be, but it seems like there's a disconnect there. I mean, you have to love what you do, right? It doesn't matter what that is. You also can't compete with someone who's having fun. So <laughs> can't make a business out of something you don't like. It doesn't, it's just, it's just not a thing. Okay. You don't have to like, if you're going to, no matter if you want to do real estate, that's fine, but you're going to be doing it 24 hours a day for decades. So you better love that surgery it's 24 hours a day for decades. You better love that. You just got to pick where your affinity is. I don't think you'll be, ever be able. There's no lightning in a bottle. There's no quick buck. And the yep. only way to get good at something is dedicated time and dedicated, you know, a dedication to improvement. And that you have to enjoy it because otherwise you're just going to be passively moving through the motions and you're not going to be able to accumulate enough runway to get better.
And the person that does enjoy it, that's putting in the hours is going to crush you. I mean, like they're competitively wise. They're going to just run circles around you and can't compete with someone who's having fun because they don't run out of gas. No. And that, if you can find something that you enjoy, you know, that's a key foundational thing is if you can find well, something. I you found enjoy. it because, you know, I love surgery and I love building the teams around the surgical experience for the patient. Do you like the actual practice? Do you like the surgery itself? Do you like yeah. the consults? Do you like the building the business? Do you like all of it? I love all of it. You know, I love it all. I truly do. But like people are gonna be like, you can't love everything. So you always want to, I always want to be doing something that's fun, right? And surgery is so fun. But like now I'm shifting a little more towards the business development side as this newfound funness in my life. So like, as you know, over the next few years, I'm going to be transitioning to do less surgery, not no surgery, but less surgery and more business development to the practice. And that's the trajectory I'm on. The best business developers are the ones that love the widget building. Like, I think when you come from a place of like, I've done this thing a bunch of times and I'm an expert at it and I'm kind of gravitating towards marketing. I think those are the best possible marketers you could ever ask for. The way I think about marketing is if you, if you are trying to sell something that you don't believe in, that's deception and manipulation. But if you tried to, if you love that shirt you're wearing, you just love it and you want to sell it to your friends, you're not getting anything out of it, but you're going to, you're going to go through all these features, how it makes you feel. And you're gonna be like, you got to get the shirt for blah, 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 blah. Like it's not even sales. You're just like, you hope someone else enjoys the experience of that shirt as much as you. And that's to me what sales is. So you have to make your team believe in you or whoever's implementing the service. And when they do that, it's very easy to share it with the with your patients or prospective patients. And it doesn't feel like sales. It doesn't feel like you're manipulating. I, I think when we were talking last time, you said something about marketing as an educational, from an educational standpoint and how physicians are so well positioned to be able to do that because you have the expertise. Well, I think eyeballs on social media, which is the majority of marketing and advertising these days, people are either drawn to entertainment or education. We have seen in medicine, entertainment, goofiness, it does not work. It attracts the wrong kind of ideas from the people and downplays the severity. And you we're seeing more physicians losing medical licenses for things they're doing on social media. So... But people are drawn to entertainment or education. So tell them about medicine, tell them about surgery. And I do think you see amazing social media accounts from things like on toe fungus to like all these things that you think <laughs> can be interesting to learn about. And you're like captivated because some doctor somewhere figured out a way to tell that story in a way that's like captivating. Yeah. And that is a skill set right there. It is a skill set, but you can go and hire people to help you. And you may not be the most boombastic, outgoing personality and look great on camera and this and that, but that doesn't matter. As long as you continue to keep trying and keep doing, and you'll be able to communicate with people that you want to. Yeah. One of the differences I think between entrepreneurship and, and practicing medicine, or at least the culture of medicine, it's like in entrepreneurship and in marketing, especially it's like failing forward. It's in, in fact, like with marketing, it's like, Let's see how many times we can fail faster so that we can get to the solution quicker. Um, but in. Well, the old marketing joke is like, I know half of my marketing works. I just don't know which half. Right. 
<laughs> I would go with like a quarter or, or, or lower. Even though something's working because you're getting clients, but most people have no idea whether it's their pay-per-click, their radio, their TV, their this, that, or the other. Yeah. So you got to develop that muscle. That's, that's a little bit of a different, I mean, I think if you're hyper-perfectionist, you're going to have a hard time being an entrepreneur. And I think in a lot of physicians struggle with perfectionism, that's going to make marketing challenging, I would say. Yeah. You have to be moving forward. Like if it's, if it's perfect, it's probably two years too late. I know like they say that a lot of the entrepreneurial books, like you got to get things moving and you want to be willing and able to grow and pivot as on the fly. Mm -hmm. I know you're building, you already have a big practice and you're building it, continuing to build it. Is it, does the money come into it? Like, is that part of the motivation or a big motivation or all the motivation? Like one of the amazing things of having children is like your DNA lives on forever, your legacy. So one of the, and if your life is basically your personal and your professional life, and to me, if I can do like, what's the version of like having kids at work, it's recruiting surgeons and growing their careers. And that to me is legacy, which could be around a lot longer than we are, which mm. gives meaning and purpose to the time we are here. Yeah. So you can, you can affect when you start to employ people, you start to impact their livelihood and well, just pure enjoyment of life. Like when you see your kid walk for the first time, it's amazing. When you see the surgeon that you found like at a residency or fellowship do like something amazing, you feel, you get that like same dopamine rush and like you, you can keep doing that much easier than ha keep having kids. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and they, and they, they have a better return on investment too. <laughs> I mean, well, dollars wise, but correct. But I mean, that's the main part of it. It's just, it's, it's another way to enjoy the professional life. Mm -hmm. Is your goal to be just continue to grow as, as long as, I mean, what are you building? I'd like to grow something that's just essentially self-sufficient where there can be more of like a law firm where there's just a constant evolution forever. I mean, my dream would be that there's some place that has my name on it. Actually, I'm sure they take your name off at some point. But someplace that I created and started that just kind of goes on forever. That's kind of my ultimate goal. Size-wise, I don't know if we go to different cities, different states. You start as Alexander the Great. You lose control of your kingdom as soon as you can't touch it. So you got to be careful with your expansion. If I think there's a total different skill set of building a business and scaling a business. That's a whole new world. One of the things I always talk about in our office now is like our C-suite team, including me as CEO, like we didn't go to CEO school. Like we never hired a CEO. <laughs> I didn't hire, you know, I don't have, I didn't hire a professional CEO. I didn't hire a professional this, that, or the other. We're like all learning this job on the fly. But mm. I do think that scale to the multi office, multi state, I think that's another new skill set that like probably is best served by someone who has done that before. Yeah, there's a point. I, I feel like the entrepreneur's role in small business is a lot of times you got to wear a ton of hats. And that can be challenging to be an expert or impossible to be an expert at all things. Like you can't be a CEO and a CFO and a CMO. At and the a, beginning you are, you know, at the beginning, at that's the, beginning the most especially. period of any business is the, I remember when there was three of us in a room eating pizza, staying up all night. Like those are all the best, you know, most romantic time. But in reality, that actually sucked and it's better now. <laughs> you need to get to a point where you're like, 
we need a professional at each stage. And are we going to grow internally because they understand the culture? Or are we going to go externally because they have the skills? And you have to decide how you want to do that. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Ren Financial Planning. Want to hear something cool? My team at Ren Financial Planning has consistently told me that the listeners of this podcast are their favorite people to talk to. Did you know that you can set up a no-cost triage meeting with one of our amazing CFPs at Ren Financial Planning anytime and talk about your biggest financial questions? We can discuss things like considerations for transitioning into practice, getting the best bang for your buck buying a house, the smartest way to pay off student debt, or tips on maximizing your compensation package. Or maybe you'd love a second set of eyes to help look over your tax return or investment allocations. Maybe you'd just like a general second opinion from your existing advisor. Either way, our role in this meeting will be to listen to your concerns and help you start to identify potential actionable next steps so that you can start to make solid progress addressing those concerns as quickly as possible. Schedule a meeting now. You'll see a link in the show notes. And when you do, make sure to indicate you found us from Finance for Physicians. We look forward to talking to you. Okay, let's get back to our show. What about that time sucked? I mean, mostly because like you're working, you have no money, and you're making no money, and you really aren't sure if anything you're doing is really going to work. <laughs> yeah. If that was all I knew, I'd be like, why did you keep going? Yeah, it almost makes no sense to start your own business, right? It's, <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 But at the same time, it's thrilling and like you're either like, I don't know, elated or scared as an entrepreneur. Like I'm never comfortable in my other, it's, it's either up or down. It's like a bipolar emotion. Mm -hmm. Well, it is, and it is stressful to take the risk and have all these big decisions to make. And, but I think, I don't know, everybody has stress in their life and in their profession. And I think one of the best things about, or comparing like a physician working in a giant hospital system to like an entrepreneur, self-employed, or even building your own practice physician is when you have those problems that come up, inevitable problems and stressors, you can solve them. Like you're actually responsible for solving them. Yeah, and but you're also responsible for creating them. Correct. You're creating new ones all the time. Like you're, you're like swimming in problems actually, but it's different. Listen, our job, I think all leaders job, the number one skill I believe in a leader is like emotional stability. Like- you need to stay calm no matter how good something is or how bad something is. Like someone's got to be like the rock in the room. There's a great story about Ulysses S. Grant, who's like one of my favorite, like American history. If you're a history buff people, he's getting a picture taken. I can't remember the name of the photographer, but like famous photographer after the war. And they're in this room and he, the, the photographer goes, well, go up and like open the skylight to his assistant. Cause like, there's not enough light. The guy goes up, he's playing on the roof. The whole glass roof comes down and shatters. And like, apparently Grant doesn't flinch. Like it doesn't like this sh glass on his whole body. It doesn't move. And he's like, I have somewhere to be, just take the picture. Like, and he <laughs> like cools a cucumber, like stillness is built in. I think the Brits call it squ being squared away and or having the right stuff. And like that is where leadership is because if you're an emotional roller coaster and everyone in your business is an emotional roller coaster, it doesn't work. Someone's got to ca calm everyone down. 
Mm. No, so, I, I mean, I, we live like three blocks away from like where he died. It's like, it's so weird. See, and you know, he has the biggest tomb in New York city, Grant's tomb. So I like, I'm always like, kind of like in this like world of Ulysses as Grant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, he's one of my favorites. There's a lot of good ones, I mean, but talk about a true American. He was like, he was a drunk, you know, he's been, he was, he's, he had all the weaknesses and the strengths and it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He did had a hard life and had lots of success and lots of failures. And I mean, I think that's what it's about is failing, learning to grow from your failures and failing yeah. forward. That's one of my favorite books is failing forward is learning to, I can't remember who told it to me, but it's like, in life, you either, whatever happens, you either win or you learn. Like, not win or lose, like, win or learn. Like, pick one. Mm -hmm. you're gonna, like, you're going to get hit. You're going to lose things all the time. But, like, do you step back? Did you really, did you really lose? Or, like, what could you take away? Is that a learning point? You can't let success go to your head and failure go to your heart, you know? Right. You also have to learn to be humble. Yeah, like, when you have all the success, you have to learn to, that you're actually not as big of a deal as you might think you are. Well, <laughs> You know, know thyself. And like, I think as you get more successful, there's, it, that's when like more things are lurking around the corner. <laughs> yeah. I think the other thing too, is I imagine you're getting a lot of requests for people things and people and your time is starting to I imagine you're having to start to say no a lot. Well, yeah, like Buffett says, the people who say no, the least are the most successful or say no, the most are the least successful are the most successful. You say yeah. no. And the idea, you know, keep the main thing, the main thing, the main thing. And yeah, I'm probably, I'm probably not as good as like others. I probably take too many meetings, meet with too many people. There's also this mentorship collaborative phase of medicine where like, if a not really like if a medical student, a resident, a fellow, or someone wants to talk to me about their career and bounce it off my ear, you know, I probably do that too much, but like at the same time, mm. like I kind of like doing that. Yeah. So I'd be curious about the mentorship thing. You're, you mentioned that earlier, like how important it was is. to educate yourself and have mentors in your life. And so is that's still an active thing for you? Like on, I'm, I know you say you're a mentor. Every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And you can find mentor. Like I kind of found mine by accident, like at a dinner party, kind of connected with, with a guy. And like, we've just, he's about 10 years older than me incredibly successful worldly and is willing to like guide me but that mentor mentee relationship has to go both ways okay so it's not just me calling him every day hey what do i do about this hey what do i do about that even though he's got this much more successful business there are things about the world that i'm can share with him so that there's a book back and forth but anytime i get a proposal for something or i'm thinking about doing something i need to you need to be have someone to call who's going to be brutally honest with you and help you think through that decision because most of us have shiny object syndrome. So you need someone to smack you down a little bit and you need multiple people. Like, and if you don't have like your talk to your accountant, like you could use your accountant and a good lawyer or find your local YPO or business entrepreneurship, go find people, but you better find smart people who you can ask questions to. Otherwise you're on your own. And like, mm. I don't care who you are. No one knows what to do. <laughs> yeah, I, we we serve that role on occasion with clients that we're working with and not always, but I try to only give advice. It's not, it's difficult to do this all the time, but like only give advice when it's requested. <laughs> and so 
on occasion, like clients will bring decisions to the table and solicit input. And I think that's fantastic. And we encourage it because it's just a second set of eyes and we're like, get more opinions. It doesn't hurt to get- to do what they say, but a lot of times no. it helps clarify the decision algorithm. Right. And you, and we typically, so I'm the third party, you know, that's looking at it. I have more objectivity, but like typically it's kind of an emotional mess. Like they're, they're not quite seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. You had some, like just the other day, I remember I was looking at it like a space for expansion and like someone, I think whichever broker sent me like a proposal and I like forward it to my, like it meant, and he's like, I'm not even opening this, this location, like you're not going to this location. This is stupid. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I just got like totally bamboozled by the broker. Like, and like, I would have gone through this, like spent the next few months trying to figure out how to make this work. And he's like, just like, you're not seeing what's directly in front of you because of like the razzle dazzle this guy just gave you. So <laughs> did you know instantaneous, like, how do you find a mentor? You like feel that like, what's the key characteristic that. Listen, you like, I find more and more all the time. I mean, a lot of the times I meet them at dinner parties or whatever, like you connect and you know, you actually get a sense that they are interested in you in your life and they want to share. Most very successful people I find incredibly successful want to share how they got there. Like they don't want to just like sit on a pile of money in like a house by themselves. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, like they don't, that's just not the way they're wired. Yeah. They want to get out and do stuff. And, and they're and a lot of them are so far removed from the beginning of a business or like a little business, like a doctor's practice that like, it's nostalgic to them to like get involved on like, how do I hire an IT company for like all my computers? And like, where do I get 25 computers? And like, do I go just go to Best Buy or is there like a place to get <laughs> 25 computers for your you know company? And like, yeah, just stuff like that. They like, I, I find people like enjoy that. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of questions that come with entrepreneurship and there's a, it's it's all sometimes- fun. It's a million questions. It's uh, just another question. Yeah. And you can Google things and, but like you got to, I mean, you can't put a, it's, it's so valuable to have people in your life that well, I think the big thing mentors, is surgical mentors too. Like, you know, I know that like Dr. X, Y, or Z has an amazing operating room. Hey, where'd you get the surface? Call them up. Hey, where'd you get the, how'd you get the surfaces that you got in the operating room? They're like, oh, you know, we found this really cool company in North Carolina. Let me send you the guy's contact. You know, like mm -hmm. you got to just keep asking questions. You don't want to be, you don't want to be, you know, going through the world blind. I think people that can speak truth is a big thing. I mean, most successful people, I think should have, would have had to have a more likely chance of be, being people that are truth, truthful and speak honest or direct. But I think that's I a big deal. Believe, I haven't met, and people may disagree with this. I haven't met a lot of very successful jerks. I mean, like very successful. Obviously there's high paid jerks in every field. <laughs> you get to this like, super high echelon, like you really can't accumulate that much wealth unless like, thousands of people like you and like want to be around you and like want to help and like have you guide them like mm. and you can't fake that over decades and decades and decades like you know most incredibly successful people are in incredible humans and that's why mm. they've been able to stay on top and keep rising do you think more money 
always equates to happiness and better personalities or is it uh, like the personality comes first and then the money comes second? No, I, I, you know, the more money you accumulate, you'll realize that happiness and money have like very little correlation. Yeah. However, there are extremely happy people with tons of money. There's extremely happy people with tons of money. There's extremely happy people with no money. There's miserable people with no money. There's miserable people with lots of money. It's, you know, the strength of the personal dynamics in your personal relationships, your social network, your mm. mental clarity, you know, all that. You know, there's so much more. Uh, what's his name? There's a Canadian professor from Concordia, I believe, Sad Gad. Gad Sad. I think his last name's Sad. Psychology, human performance, behavior. He has a new book on the eight rules of happiness. Yeah. I think it's Gad Sad or Sad Gad. Yeah, I'm, I don't have my keyboard. Podcast. Got a good podcast too, but he, he, that book I, I glanced over. You know, it's it, nothing you don't know. Like, spend more time with your kids, like you'll be happier. Yeah, but like, we're right. always paradox of like, you want to provide more. The only way to provide more is to do more. And when you do more, you're not around. So we're always bouncing back and forth in that. Right. I think we all fall for <clears throat> at occasion, different occasions of our life of thinking that the money is going to cause the happiness. It's just well, difficult not to. There's a scoreboard and it makes life easier. You, you think you, because you can just watch the the score go up and you think you should be happier as the score goes up and then you realize you don't and then you have to figure it out. But I think everyone, you know, rejigs it and finds the balance if they are looking for balance. I mean, obviously there are people who will, you know, I walk to work in the morning in New York City and there's like 80 year old guys like heading to the office. And like, I have to assume these finance guys probably don't need the money, but they just like want to keep rolling. Like they don't, that's how they're hardwired. Yeah, that's a, I think if you enjoy going back to enjoying your work, if you truly enjoy your work or, or maybe it's the thing you enjoy the most of anything even, yeah, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Now that's a good question. I think for everybody is like, what do you truly enjoy most? And that's not an easy question to answer because uh, there's a lot of things and it changes, but it's something to, I think, regularly explore. Yeah, for sure. If I'm early in practice or maybe even in training, I think entrepreneurship resonates with a lot of early career physicians that have gotten a good dose of the system. And they're like, I, I really don't, I would love to do it a different way. Yeah. What do you think is like a good starting point like how do you i know it's not really well taught in training like there's not a lot of business you have to decide when you're ready to go on your own and my suggestion is to you want to transition to go on your own meaning you have a job or you're working for someone else and the, and you should start your you know just get your llc and start looking for a space and you should be doing like five days a week working for someone out working somewhere where you get paid and then go to like four days three days two days one day, and start building your up you have to figure out what you want to do and who you want to do it to because if you know what the avatar of your customer looks like you can go out and find them like if you know you want to do breast augmentations on 22 year old girls that's a lot easier you know you're going to direct your marketing towards college age girls and you're going to have college age you know flavor to the medium so once you get good at something and you know who you want to do it to, start building the people around you who are going to help you do that, you know, better. It's all yeah. said than done. And then measure yourself in decades. Most people, as Bill Gates says, overestimate what they can do in a year, but they underestimate what they can do in a decade. You know, it's like a, it's like a diet. Like you can't do it for two weeks and wonder why you're not ripped. Like 
eat healthy and work out for 10 years and show me your body. <laughs> right. Or do you like have one improvement a day? Yeah. Like, could I mean, be small. Atomic habits. Like, yeah. Listen, if you got to have a disciplined routine and you got to hit it for like decades. And right. like, I don't believe you can lose if you're willing to do that. But I think there's like 0.0000001% of the population who's willing to do that. Yeah. Well, like most a bamboo people. Tree. A bamboo tree can grow like 90 feet in six weeks, but only if you like water it perfectly under the ground for five years in this one spot. So like, are you willing to like do the five years of watering to like build the foundation that and, next like and then, you know, success happens slowly then quickly. Yep. No. And, and I think people think they see the person, they see the bamboo tree grow and they're like, oh yeah, I want to grow the bamboo tree. And then they're like, they don't see the part that happens before yeah, everyone's uh, an overnight success it only took 30 years <laughs> right yeah but it and in reality it takes a long time to build up things and then they compound it compounds all these little successes compound to turn into a big big success and it's like your practice is like growing fast now and it's compounding and there's a lot of bigger successes happening but you also start out in like a room with three people like kind of feeling like your head was cut off and you're like, eh. Exactly. Which always keeps the fear level up. So like you never get comfortable. Most, like most entrepreneurs are never comfortable. Yeah. I bet are you, you Musk and Mark Zuckerberg are like stressed 24 seven. Like even though. Are, are you comfortable? Never. Like, <laughs> I'm, no, like I'm always like, you know, I have this massive payroll, these huge facilities, you know, all these things <laughs> running through your house your head of like, what happens? Like if nobody shows up to, you know, like there's always, yeah, no, I'm never like just cruising. I'm always dialed in, it but it would be kind of boring if you were cruising. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, listen, I don't know any other way. Like, I don't know any other way. Yeah. Well, I know we're getting to time. I wanted to make sure and circle back on your end. Where is the best place people can find out? I know you have a lot of good stuff on social media and that's that's another thing. I think you've done a really great job of building. You were talking about people with social media that have done really well. You're one of them. So I appreciate um, that. I think we, you know, we there's no magic formula. It's like this is what we do, this is who we do it to, this is why we do it, this is why you need it and want it in your life. And I'm gonna do that every day for decades. And then I'm gonna tell you a little bit about me, why you should trust me. You know, I'm very disciplined. I exercise, I read, I get up early and I spend my free time with my family. Like that's what I want in a doctor. That's what people like. Yep. <laughs> it's simple. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's no razzle that like, I don't need to do anything like magic. It's like, it, you know, we solve people's problems and we're good people. And like, we care about the people we do it to. My recommendation for anyone, if you're anyone starting a practice or any business, recruit awesome people they have to have unimpeachable character and that have to be like committed to excellence like don't recruit mm. average and take care of your people if you take care of your people and you take care of your patients the you know the profit takes care of itself right yeah and you can build a culture too i mean it's kind of fun to build a culture because you can yeah and you build that at the beginning but you have to keep you know cultures like the mortar in the bricks or around the bricks in the foundation and like you got to constantly renew it yep and mortar is necessary <laughs> the yeah, building falls down if there's no yeah. mortar yeah people are super important and you can see in like hospital systems when you get like grumpy staff that everybody's depressed and burning out and that's just chronic i mean it's terrible for the system 
Yeah. Well, that's because the people making the decisions are too far away from the action. Like most businesses getting more and more trouble as the people making decisions are farther away from the, the action. Right. That's like why they had so many problems on submarine, on nuclear submarines is because like, especially the Russians, like the captain had all the power, zero information. The like 16 year old kid with this like loading nuclear warheads into like, <laughs> had all the information and zero power and like they never talked <laughs> so yeah that's a problem it's a problem yeah you gotta like you know people <laughs> they gotta communicate it gets harder when you get bigger though yeah well, but there's strategies what's the best place people can find information about you and your practice your practice website i know is a good one we'll link to those in the show notes okay listen at dr nineteen on instagram and from there you're going to see all the other physicians who work with me dr anna steve dr chris funderburg our aesthetic injector, Dr. Nurse Tara, and you'll see everyone on the team from there. Awesome. Well, it's been fun. I've enjoyed chatting with you. And I know you're in a nice sweet spot now that hopefully you can go enjoy your beach house that you're hanging out at. Listen, and I'm an entrepreneur and uh, it's I got to call the office and we got, you know, fires to put out. Oh, well, yeah. At least you're doing firefighting in a nice, nice spot. I like being a firefighter. I'm okay with it. All right, man. Good catching up. Awesome. Thank you. You've been listening to Finance for Physicians. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to our show in your favorite podcast player. On this show, we believe that when you prioritize your finances, you take better care of yourself, have more fulfilling relationships with your families, and most importantly, provide higher quality care for your patients. If you feel this way too and want to learn more, then make sure to join our community. Follow the Finance for Physicians Facebook group for bonus content and sneak peeks on next week's episode. Thanks for listening.